Shalom, shalom, everyone. Great to see you. Hope you're all having an awesome, awesome day, evening. Uh, you are uh, awesome. You are awesome. Uh, I love you guys. Uh, you are world changers. As always, we're going to get into something that we are uh Really, some awesome things we're going to talk about tonight. Today is uh, the spies sent into Canaan, the faith that they lacked, the faith that Joshua and Caleb had, uh, what it meant to enter into his rest, uh, all kinds of things we're going to talk about uh, tonight. So it's going to be very, very interesting. Okay, let's uh, let's see what we got here in the chat. We have one John two twenty six who says, Shalom, good evening, Shalom, good evening, brother, good to see you. The second first says, Shalom, Calamento says, Shalom all. Psalm 94 says, Shalom everyone, blessings to all. The second first, um, yeah, go, what, what's going on up, up in Canada? Yeah, it is amazing. Uh, I'm telling you, it is uh, it is very very alarming what is going on in Canada. We got a, we have more and more of uh, the dictators henchmen that is beating people um, and beating peaceful protesters, not allowing them to protest. Uh, crazy things going on. Um, cops beating people with the billy bats and kicking them and just absolutely horrendous. Everybody should be voicing out uh, their voices against uh, this uh, tyrannical uh, regime. It is it is horrific. The entire world should be appalled, outraged, and voicing uh, what they need to voice against what's going on in Canada. <sighs> As they say, Trudeau tyranny, Trudeau tyranny. We see for a long time, hashtag Trudeau tyranny was was uh, um, trending. Also, hashtag black um, face Hitler was also trending as well for a long time. So, yeah, a lot of things going on there in Canada. And once again, you might think, oh, I don't live in Canada. Why should I, why should I be concerned? Well, look at what happened already. Look at what's, uh, look at the, uh, you know, what happened with the protests in Canada. It started in Canada and it just blossomed all over the world. Uh, and so now is this tyranny going to be flooding the world as well? And I think we should, all of us should be doing our part in uh, voicing our dissent on social media. Um, I see that one of the politicians from Romania in the European Parliament has said that what is going on in Canada with the government of Canada is likened, he likened it to the Inquisition. So yes, um, very serious thing, something that definitely needs prayer. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not talking about nicey-nicey prayers either. I mean, God... <laughs> do what you need to do. Do what you need to do, God. Byron says, um, Shalom, Shalom, Byron. Jeff says, Shalom, friends, Shalom. Vinny says, Shalom, everyone, Shalom, Vinny. Caballero says, Hello, Christopher. Great to see you again. Great to see you again as well. Vita says, Shalom, Shalom, Vita. Welcome. Will Sr. says, Shalom. Will and Sister Bibi, we are, we are her brother. We are her brother and sisters. 
All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Psalm 119. Hey, my friends. Hey, how are you doing? Long time no see. Welcome, everyone. Blessings multiplied to you. Yes, we're going to get into something very, very interesting tonight. Numbers chapter 13 and following, talking about the spies, talking about faith, talking about what it's like, or what it means to enter into his rest, talking about the faith that Jacob, or excuse me, Joshua and Caleb, I guess I kind of mixed those names up, right? Joshua and Caleb, Jacob. Yeah. Okay. So Let's get into it. Let's get into it. So let's start reading in uh, from Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them, So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the children of Israel. Now these these were the names, were their names, excuse me. From the tribe of Reuben, Shemua, the son of Zakur. From the tribe of Simeon, Shaphat, son of Hori. From the tribe of Judah, Caleb, son of Yephuni. Yephuni? From the tribe of... Issachar, Egal, the son of Yosef, from the tribe of Ephraim, Hosea, the son of Nun, from the tribe of Benjamin, Palti, son of Raphu, from the tribe of Zebulun, Gadiel, son of Sodi, tribe of Yosef, that is, from the tribe of Manasseh, Gadi, son of Sushi, Susi, from the tribe of Dan, Amiel, the son of Gamali, from the tribe of Asher, Sethur, the son of Mikael, from the tribe of Naphtali, Nabi, son of Vafsi, from the tribe of Gad, Guel, son of Maki, These are the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land and called Hosea, the son of Nun, Yeshua, or Joshua. Okay, so in the footnotes here to spy out the land, uh, secretly search, secretly search the land. And yeah, in Moses called Hosea, the son of Nun, Yeshua. And again, this would be Oshea, according to the Septuagint, or the uh, Septuagint and the Vulgate. Verse 17 of Numbers 13. Then Moses sent them out to spy out, or excuse me, then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up this way into the, into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in in is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are forests there or not. Be of good courage and bring some, some of the fruit of the land, Now the time was for the season uh, of the first ripe grapes. 
So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob, near the entrance of Hamath. And they went up through the south and came to Hebron, Ahiman, Sheshai, and Talmai. The descendants of Anak were there. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan and Egypt. Then they came to the valley of Eshkol. In the footnotes, it says here, Wadi, Wadi, would have been another way of saying it. And there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. They carried it between two of them on a pole. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. The place was called the Valley of Eshkol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. The Valley of Eshkol being the, the Valley of Cluster. This is a huge cluster of grapes, by the way. I mean, it had to carry it. Two men had to carry it between the two men on a pole. Verse 25, and they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. In the footnote, has an abundance of food. Okay. And this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites and Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Mm -mm 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 -mm. You should never have said that. Mm -mm -mm. Verse 32. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. A little bit of an exaggeration, don't you think? And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Again, a little bit of an exaggeration, not all the people. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak from the, from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight, like grasshoppers in the footnotes here, as mere insects. We were as mere insects. Numbers chapter 14. So all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt. How many times did they say this? Or if only we had died in this wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? 
Not a whole lot of faith there, is it? To fall by the sword in the footnotes, to be killed in battle. That our wives and children should become victims. <laughs> Talk about victim, victim mentality here, victimhood mentality. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. Now again, fell on their faces, prostrated themselves. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Yephune, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. So that's, that's a sign of great grief or, or anger even, despair. Tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, then he will, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. <laughs> We're going to eat them. We're going to chew them and spit them out, guys. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Verse 10, And all the congregation said to, the, uh, to stone them with stones. Now the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of meeting before all the children of Israel. Okay, let's, before we get into this next passage of Scripture, let us, I just want to check out some of your comments here. Um, Jordan, Jordan, good to see you, brother. Shavuot Tov, yes. Blessings multiplied back to you. Will Sr. says, sounds like all those grapes were for wine. What does it mean, Joshua, son of Nun? Actually, uh, Joshua, son of Nun, the, uh, the name of his father it would have been um just give me a second here just want to see if we have an actual just a second here okay so noon itself or none means um it literally means, according to uh, the dictionary here, the Hebrew dictionary is either fish or posterity. Uh, there's quite a bit of a difference between the between fish and posterity, but that's what it actually literally means. Um, the father, who is the father of Joshua, the father of Yeshua, the successor of Moses. So. Um, Let's see if we got any other details here. That's not not a whole lot of details in regards to the actual meaning of the name, um, but uh, that's as, that's as much as we know. Perpetuity, noon or nun, the father of Yeshua. Okay, so yeah, depends how you want to 
pronounce it. Here is like noon or none. Either way. Tyler asks a question. Do you uh, do you do you think some someone can blaspheme the Holy Spirit unintentionally or by accident? Yeah, we actually we spoke about this many many times. I, I actually made several different videos on this as well. Um, one thing I would suggest you do is go into my channel on YouTube. Uh, I actually I actually spoke on this as well on TikTok uh, several times, and I understand that it is a, uh, a something that could be bothering a lot of people. Uh, but then again, like we, uh, uh, I spoke about this with Will there just yesterday and, um, you know, in context, I mean, Yeshua, as far as I recall, he only spoke about this, this particular topic once, only once in all of his entire life. Um, so the point is like, I know people can really, really harp on it and dwell on it. And it is a very, very serious thing. Uh, however, uh, anybody, what I would do is I would, I, I recommend if there's anybody who thinks they may have committed blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, um, I wouldn't dwell on it. it the, the fact of the matter is that you are, concerned about it and because of that concern like it, it tells me that that you are really serious about walking with the lord uh so regardless of i mean whether or not someone did really it, it doesn't make any difference i think the biggest point is that you don't that you don't do it now or in the future ever or ever again, no matter uh, which way you want to look at it. Um, and even if it was committed by somebody, I still would very highly recommend they put that in the past, never do it again, and pursue the Lord with all their heart. Pursue the Lord with all their heart. Yeah, this is again. This is a topic we I have spoken of so much. Uh, I don't want to talk about it a whole lot right now. Uh, although I do appreciate your question in asking this, but you can find my, an answer to this uh, several times. Uh, I don't know how many videos I did. I, I can't even remember how many videos I did uh, on this topic. And some of these videos I did on that topic alone. Uh, so, yeah, without repeating myself for the for the sake of other people that are listening right now and. Um, I, I highly recommend you look through and listen to some of those videos that I that I did in the past. Um, see what is it? What is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Like literally in again, I, I, I just to be fair, just to be fair to everybody else that's listening. I don't want to take a whole lot of time on this, seeing that I've already taken a lot of time on this before. But blasphemy of the Holy Spirit literally means to speak against, to speak evil of the Holy Spirit in the context that Yeshua addressed that problem, they, people were, there were some people who were saying that Yeshua operated by an evil spirit. So he was just saying, listen, it's the Holy Spirit. It's not an evil spirit. Don't slander the Holy Spirit. Don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit or else you're in big trouble forever. And that's basically what he was saying. 
So in the context that Jesus used it in, and in the and in uh, by definition, it means to speak evil of. It's a, it's it's speech. Okay, I, and I know that it can go into the topic. It can go into the category of action as well, and I understand that. We spoke about that with Will there the other night. I get that. However, um, yeah. So it's it's. Uh, I, I mean, if if you have bottom line, if you have, what good is it? To be tormented about it right now. What good is it, really? Okay. The best thing to do is is to is, is to is to say in humility, Lord, I hope I didn't, and if I did, I'm sorry, and use me nevertheless. Use me nevertheless to promote your word of to, to promote righteousness, holiness, repentance, your kingdom, the gospel. And to make a difference in this world. I mean, that's the best thing. That's the best way to look at it. As Christina said, and this, I am, I feel like this as well. As I, I feel like someone asked Christopher the blasphemy question literally every live stream. Yeah, it seems like it's a lot. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it's either about the blasphemy or about tr Trinity or about, uh, you know, I, you know, one question I haven't got recently so much is what Bible translation do you recommend? Usually that's a big one too. That's a very common question. What Bible translation do you recommend? And then there's the Trinity questions. Then there is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit questions. Yeah, I've spoken about that quite a bit. I appreciate your question, but yes, please check out the archives. Uh, actually, not too long ago, we spoke about that. Again, uh, someone asked, what if I get intrusive thoughts? Thoughts are thoughts. Blasphemy is words. Again, I know Will and I agree. I agree to you know in a certain in a certain context. Um, blasphemy can also be actions as well. However, literally speaking, by definition, and in the context that Jesus addressed the issue, it was words. It was actually words spoken directly against to slander and to speak evil of the Spirit of God. Hmm. Yeah, we'll get into reading um, the next portion here in just a minute. But let me just uh, let me address something here. Cat Cool with Matthew. Shalom, Matthew. Good to see you. Welcome. I have a question. What do you think about climate change? Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, the greatest thing that affects climate change is sin. Okay. The scriptures make that very clear. You sin, God's going to change the climate. Okay. God's going to change. Ask Noah. Ask Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay. <laughs> Sin uh, inflames God. And when God gets irritated, you can expect the climate to change a little bit. Um, so I think the greatest, the greatest way to uh, 
To minimize climate change is to minimize sin. Okay. I had someone ask me this uh, several weeks ago, and I think maybe a few of you might remember this. I was on live stream and someone, you know, what did you do? How, what have you done to, you know, um, stop climate change or this kind of thing? So well, again, you know, I preach right obedience and obedience to God. That's it right there. Um, scientists have been wrong all along. Don't trust the ever-changing science books. Don't trust the ever-changing science books. Uh, I remember growing up in, in public school, and I remember how I was taught that plastic, you know, how evil plastic is. And still there's a lot of people that, that actually still say this today. You know, plastic is so bad. It takes three, I still remember, I remember very clearly, I was taught it takes 300 years to decompose. 300 years to say, oh, you know, and all the, all the plastic we're producing and all this kind of stuff. I'm telling you something. I, regularly, I get around my home there are things, plastic, that have deteriorated and fallen apart within a number of a couple years. I'm not exaggerating. I bought a, a dryer vent, and it's a plastic one. Maybe I should have got a metal one. <laughs> Didn't take long, just a matter of, well, uh, okay, at the most, maybe five years, and it was just crumbling. Plastic. Um, plastic bags. I've had plastic bags. I've pulled out plastic bags from a, from uh, <laughs> that I've packed away for you know uh, packed away, and I've kind of forgotten about for 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 years. Not that I mean, not that long. I'm not I'm not like you know I'm not ancient. I'm not Methuselah, but I mean I, I've uh, packed away some plastic bags for I don't know wouldn't wouldn't have been that many that many years, perhaps several years. It just falling apart, falling apart. I do not believe everything that the quote unquote scientists say about this kind of stuff. Uh, right now, I can't show you guys, but right now, right to my right here, there, there is a plastic, um, I don't know what you want to call this, a plastic barrier that has deteriorated to the point where it's just, cra it, I just pull it off with my fingers. Just rip, rip like, uh, I don't know. It's it's just fallen apart within within a matter of a few years. Well, actually, this is actually older than a few years. Nevertheless, it's certainly a lot younger than 300 years. I'd tell you that much. So don't believe so much is is taught out there about that kind of stuff. So, you know, no, don't believe it. Going nowhere, do I believe people sleep in heaven? I've never heard of it. I've never heard of it, and it's not in the scriptures that we do. How do we get intrusive thoughts out? By training your mind to think otherwise. By making sure you clean your home, clean your computer, clean your cell phone. Make sure you don't listen to, watch any kind of secular trash. Um, get around the right people. Get away from the wrong people. 
um, fill your mind with good and pure and holy things. It might it may take some time, but it will happen. You you can train your mind to think in a better way. It may take days, it may take months, it may even take a few years. Um, I hope it doesn't take that long. But I mean, you start right now, and um, there will be improvements uh, starting immediately. Yes, Will Senior, uh, Yah will take care of climate change. Yeah. I mean, it's all under his control anyway. It's all in his control. And this whole thing about carbon, I know I don't want to get too much into this right now. We'll get back into the scriptures in just a minute. But the whole thing about, you know, carbon is so bad and carbon now is kind of... Just in my own observation, my own observations, okay? I used to have like a, a fire pit. Okay, burning, uh, you know, bonfires and all kinds of stuff like that. And uh, that place, I don't have that fire pit there now, but that place where the fire pit was, where all the carbon was released, I'm telling you, the grass, the grass is the luscious grass. It's like, it's, it's, it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful. Nature loves, nature loves these natural Things like carbon and carbon dioxide. Okay, so the question is, uh, could you compare Ecclesiastes 1.4, how this earth will pass away? Well, I mean, we, we read about it in the prophets. Um, and in the book of Revelation as well. Uh, let's see, one four. Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. Uh, it's talking here about generations. Yeah. Um, let me just go into the. Um, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, like generation is going, generation is coming, uh, and the earth it, to the age is standing. So, you know, basically saying that the earth will be here uh, throughout the generations. Okay. Now in, in the um, prophets and also in the book of revelation, we have the old earth and the new earth. There's going to be, uh, the question is, will the old earth be thrown away or whether the, or if the new, if, is the new earth basically built on the old earth, basically speaking. Okay. So again, we're getting into, a lot of detail that we don't have a lot of uh, scripture to answer. Uh, we do have the prophets that tell us that the earth will be consumed by fire. The elements will melt with fervent heat that God be again, all because of sin it, God's wrath will burn hot and literally consume this earth with fire. And he says, just as I 
just as I destroyed the earth with water in the days of Noah, I will be destroying the earth with fire and the elements will melt with fervent heat. That's the old earth, the old earth passing away. So then there's the new earth. So the question is, is the new earth something that will come out of the old earth? Is the new earth going to be a new generation of the old earth or will the new earth actually be a brand new earth? And I guess, you know, one of the, one of the things would be, um, what kind of Greek word do we have there? Neos or kainos? Uh, let me just take a look here. So let's just have a quick, quick look here. Um, so yes, when it talks about the new earth, it does use the word kainos, which is very uh, commonly used uh, not as a brand new earth, but rather as a renewed or refurbished um, earth. So um, it's just like the Kainos covenant. This is the blood of the new covenant, which literally uh, is, doesn't necessarily mean brand new in time, but rather refreshed, refurbished, polished up, um, and it's the same word here that's used for new earth. So, I mean, it all boils down to whether or not we have um, the new earth that comes out of the old earth or whether whether God scraps the, the old earth entirely and replaces it with a new earth. Urban on DLive says plastic cars don't last either. Either Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Cat Cool says, thank you for your answer. You're welcome, Cat Cool. Vita says, it's so lonely way. Yeah, Byron says that they changed the calculation of when the Big Bang happened by one billion years. Yeah. They don't keep in they they do not consider the possibility of a different earth that existed before the time of Noah. And that's what I mentioned before. They don't they don't consider the possibility that there was a time when the earth was so pure and undefiled by these radiometric isotopes that people lived to be about a thousand years old. They, with their scientific calculations, they assume, and this is their biggest, this is their biggest mistake. They assume that these isotopes deteriorate at the exact same rate, no matter what circumstance they're under, no matter what the environment is, because they, they've never tested it. In other words, they assume that the earth always has been the way it is in the sense as in the sense of there's, there always has been a certain amount of carbon radioactive and carbon atoms and all this kind of stuff that's, that they use to uh, calculate the, um, you know, the carbon dating and such. They assume that it's always, it always has been, exactly the way it is now. And that's where they make the big, the big mistake. 
Venus says the son of Aaron, Aharon, um, must stay seven days in the tent to get holy. Is that true? You must study three, five years if Elohim has mercy or for you other than seven years. That's a very, very good question. Um, that's a very good question. That's a very deep uh, question because there are a lot of people who believe that you must have that three years of study in, in order to become a legit disciple. Um, and I know, you know, you're talking about the five years if Elohim has mercy or for you other than seven years. I would say it's, it's best to study. I mean, no matter which way you look at it, it's best to take uh, to take that first three years, at least seven years, even better, uh, to dedicate to the Lord and to stay with Him and to study, um, to learn more of God and to dedicate your to your life to the Lord for that amount of years. Um, it doesn't explicitly state the amount of years that we're supposed to do that in the scriptures. Uh, I find it interesting that. Uh, you mentioned seven days for Aaron in the tent to get holy. So the answer to that question is really not, we don't have a clear answer in the scriptures. Although to require someone to study for seven years before being, you know, before being, uh, if you want to call it holy or acceptable or uh, to graduate to that next level of authority within a spiritual body, I think that's a really good, a really good thing to do to wait for seven years, not to take people too early. Um, three years. Fine. Um, I know that um, we, uh, we spoke to Onia a couple of times on the live streams. And I know that he has something to say about the three years, um, three year mark too, that there are, there are, we do have history that I think he was talking about the Essenes as well, that you have, there have, there has to be a three year, um, threshold to be met. So to answer that question is, is, is very, very difficult. Uh, Waiting seven years is a really good thing. Three years, for sure, minimum. Thank you for the question, Vita. I appreciate it. Christina, I don't read Solomon's writings. I'm sure he was very wise, but he also worshiped demons. If he contradicts scripture, then Solomon is wrong, not the prophets. Uh, Christina, you have touched on something that I have noticed over the years, and I have never said it in a public setting. I've never said this, but I will say this since you brought it up. The book of Ecclesiastes, like there are some books in the New Testament that are questionable. Okay. I spoke a lot about Paul, so I'm not going to talk about Paul. The book of John is one. Uh, 
probably the most questionable of the of the gospels. And what I mean by questionable, I'm not saying to throw it out. I'm not saying it's all wrong. I'm just saying it's something we should be we should be reading from a very objective point of view. The book of John was written long after the day, long after the life of Jesus, and it seems like the longer. The fur- the further you go from the times that Yeshua lived, the more and more change you find in these documents. Um, again, it's something I don't want to get into too much detail here, but if you read Matthew, it's a lot different than John, right? Mark uh, is another th- one of those New Testament books. But as far as the Old Testament books are concerned, or I hate to say Old Testament, Tanakh, um, yes, Ecclesiastes is one of those books. There are several things in that book that, again, something we should take with a grain of salt. You brought up a very good point, Christina. Ecclesiastes does say a few things in there. Am I saying that it should be thrown out of the Bible? Nope. I'm just saying there are a few things in there. We should take with a grain of salt. Take it for what it is. Right. Let's see. Um, let me see here. Let's see what the, the, the ranking of, of the Ecclesiastes is within Scripture. Um, yeah, so Ecclesiastes is ranked on the bottom rung of Scripture. It is, it is one of the least authoritative books. It is part of the Ketavim. So being part of the Ketavim, if, and you bring out a really good, I, I really like your comment there, Christina, because you're right, 100% right. And a lot of people don't, won't be able to understand this or accept it. But the truth of the matter is, because it's part of the Ketavim, it's it's on the bottom, right? We got the TNK. The Torah is on the top, 100% for sure, certified, authentic, genuine, authoritative word of God. We know that because it was given to Moses publicly for millions of people to hear and see no question about it. The Nevi'im was under that. They had to be tested. The Ketavim was even under that. It was on the bottom of the hierarchy of, of Scripture, which means if any of the Ketavim says anything that seems to contradict any of the Nevi'im, the prophets, then it is to be Uh, take the Nevi'im over the Ketavim. Okay? Um, and also, of course, uh, if if the Ketavim, if any of the Ketavim contradicts what the Torah says, take what the Torah says over the Ketavim. This is why the devil quoted the book of Psalms to, to Jesus instead of quoting the Torah to Jesus. The devil knew. The devil knows that the hierarchy of scripture, what books have more authority than other books. So yeah, just like how you can't use Psalms to override Deuteronomy. And I say that because the devil used Psalms, the bottom rung, the, the bottom, the, the lower, the lowest of the hierarchy of the, of the scriptures, part of the Ketavim. The devil used that to tempt Jesus to test God. What did, he, what did Jesus do? What did Yeshua do? What he always did. He goes right to the Torah. It is written. And he takes the, 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 um, 
book of Deuteronomy, the Torah, to say, no, 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 you cannot use the Ketavim to overcome the, what it says in the Torah. You, you cannot, there is, not all scripture is, is created equal. The book of Deuteronomy is what you, what you use, uh, it has more authority than that of, of, of the book of, of Psalms. Um, so if anything, the, if anything of Ecclesiastes or Psalms for that matter, the Song of Solomon, um, there's many other books as well that's part of the Ketavim. Let me just pull this up. This is something that I know this is kind of off the beaten track of what we're talking about tonight, but um, this is something that, that everybody should know about. Uh, let me see. We should have a list of the books of the Ketavim. See if I can find a list here. Wikipedia has a list, but it's not very easy to read. Um, a list of books in the Ketavim. Okay, so so we've got Psalms, Proverbs, Job, Song of Solomon, Ruth, Lamentations, Ecclesiastes, Esther, even the Book of Daniel is in the Ketavim. I'm not sure how why would they they would classify that as Ketavim. I would think that that should be classified as prophets, but hey, I mean. Uh, they 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 consider Daniel to be more of part of the Ketavim as opposed to be more part of the prophets. Uh, same with the book of Ezra and Chronicles. Those books are part of the Ketavim. So anything in any of those books that seem that may seem to contradict any of the any of the prophets or the Torah is to be over overridden by the prophets or the Torah. Yeah, it's not easy to find a good. Um. Okay, so I'm reading from ohr.edu right here. Uh, it says the, writing, the writings or ketavim. Ketavim is Hebrew for writings. So we got Psalms, which in Hebrew is tel, uh, telahim or telahim, um, Proverbs, Mishlei, uh, Job. We have the five Megillot, which Song of Songs, Ruth, Lamentations, Ecclesiastes, Esther, the Song of Songs, uh, Ruth, uh, okay, we got it listed here, Esther, Daniel, Ezra, and Nehemiah, and Chronicles, part of the, um, the Ketavim, part of the Ketavim. Very good, Christina. Thank you very much. 
Question said, speaking of Solomon, he asked for wisdom from God, didn't he? Yes, he did. But you know what? Um, I, it, it tells us in the scriptures that he didn't really follow through with that wisdom, did he? Um, yeah. Uh, Jordan says, that's the belief I hold, renewed heaven and earth like we are renewed creations in Yeshua. Yeah, very good analogy there. And um, yeah, very good analogy. Just like we are re renewed creations in Yeshua, so the, he the heavens and the earth will be renewed in, in likewise. Yeah, Will Sr. says, Revelation 21, and I saw a new heaven and new earth for the first heaven and first earth were passed away. There was no more sea. Yes, and that was that was what I was reading from. That word new in the Greek is kainos as opposed to naos. Those words are very, very similar in the Greek, but kainos has the additional element of being meaning all right, let me just maybe be very accurate here. Kainos has the ad additional element of that it could mean renewed, refreshed, refurbished. Like, for example, hey, I got a new car. Well, it's a new car, but it's not really a new car. It's a used car, but it's a new car to me. You know what I mean? That would be Kainos. If you go right to the dealership and you buy a Brand new car. Nobody's ever driven it before. It came right off the truck. That's a Naos car. Well, Will says uh, passed away, so brand new. Yeah, I, I, you know, again, it depends on how we look at it. As Jordan said, like we can say a person when they are born again, they're old. The, all the old has passed away, and they are they are you know risen again, um, in newness of life. Uh, but they still, I mean, it is kind of like you know they are the same person in a way, not really, but they are in a way. So, yeah. But nevertheless, um, Ecclesiastes, if that means that the earth as it stands today will be forever as it is today, then sorry, Ecclesiastes, the prophets override that. And, you know, uh, so that's that would be the bottom line. Will Sr. says the seven-year uh, was specific for Aaron, Aharon. Question again, talking about the book of John. You know, I, I, this subject keeps on coming up uh, a lot. And I have, I know a few months ago, I said I want to do book of John uh, video, you know, explicitly about the book of John. And Lord willing, we will do that soon. It seems like uh, it's something that should be done very soon. But yes, there are, it's not just 
It's, I mean, it's very, very deep and there's a lot of things in there, a lot of questions in there. Like there's so much stuff in there that is, again, questionable. The order of events, the day that Yeshua was crucified, the day he, <laughs> the, uh, all kinds of things, all kinds of things are totally different than any of the rest of the scripture. Um, and that's not to mention, I mean, there's so much. I don't even want to get into a lot. Uh, a lot of it, I don't want to get into it, that. I mean, everything. Generally speaking, there's a lot. I classify the book of John, the gospel of John, to be on par with, I know this sounds really strange and weird, but because of its age, because of it's so different than the rest of the gospels, I think it's not far from being categorized with the gospel of Thomas. Now, I'm not saying the gospel of Thomas is bad either, right? Gospel of Thomas has got a lot of interesting, good things in there as well. And Lord willing, we'll get back. We'll get, we'll go through that as well. A lot of things that people need to learn and understand from the gospel of Thomas. So don't get, don't take me, don't misunderstand me. I'm just saying it should be categories in a, in a completely different category and should be tested appropriately. Erland says, Shalom, everyone. Peace, love, and blessings. Welcome, Erland. Shalom. Vita says, witnessed Two of more is righteous is righteousness with the Lord, or said the Lord, and two or more witnesses. Yep, um, the letters of Paul is written by Timothy alone. That's mainly it's not it's not true what Paul said, and that's another thing. It's not a another category. I, I have not even done a specific video about the letters of Paul as a whole. And I know I've spoken about the letters of Paul, but what I mean is like, for example, according to most scholars, only seven of the 13 letters of Paul are actually even authentic. The other five, like you said, Vita are for lack of a better term, a lot of scholars. Now I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm just saying this like as an FYI, I'm not, I'm not making any statements of, of, of fact here, but I'm just saying at least five of the letters of Paul, according to scholars in our New Testament, are forgeries, meaning that they claim to be letters of Paul, but according to scholars, they have what they believe to be good evidence that Paul did not write those letters. Um, now, again, Take it for what it is. I'm not saying that's what I believe. I'm just I'm just letting you know that's what's out there. That's what's out there in the world. Will said, like the new covenant and the old covenants. Yeah, it's good. That's another good analogy. Revelation 21. 
the same just written in our heart and mind. Yeah. The day and the hour could have been used by different hours. I've heard like maybe the difference between Hebrew and Roman hours. <laughs> um, you're talking about the book of John. I, I assume Please don't under, please do not misunderstand me. I, I mentioned different days. Um, that's just the tip of the iceberg, okay? Even if that it, it can be proven wrong in the sense of, well, John's talking about a completely different calendar, even though there, he is the same. I mean, even even though it was written in the first century and it was written in the same culture as the rest of the gospels, for some reason, the other the other gospel authors it's tended to a completely different calendar as John did, which to me, it, it, uh, no, <laughs> but, but anyway, even if it, even if it's true, trust me, I, if I get to it, Lord willing, and I make a video of it, a live stream, I would say, okay, that, that could, that'd be one point out of, I want to try to be as accurate as possible. At least 20? It's just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the book of the Gospel of John. There's so much about the Gospel of John that needs to be talked about. The other Gospels, well, that's a completely different story. There's a reason why they call it the Synoptic Gospels. Christina says, I've always struggled so hard to read John. It's not that I disagree. It's just hard to read. I'm excited for the video. Yes. Let me just give you a hint. I feel like, <laughs> again, I don't want to get, I want to finish up with the numbers here. But let me just give you a hint. Just a sneak, sneak little preview of one of those 20 or more points. And that is the way Yeshua is portrayed. Without going into too much detail, Yeshua is portrayed completely different in the earlier Gospels. Maybe not completely different, but even very different than it is in the Gospel of John. And we see a the Gospel of John is not just the only writing that this phenomena happens in. Also, we we have the other um, extra biblical texts that have been written in the second century that also follows through with that same pattern going from going from the Matthew Mark and Luke Jesus to the John Jesus and in through to the second century you see how it has evolved and it's it's a very deep it's a very deep study and i know some people because i know some people won't be able to uh won't be able to to, to stomach it because they're taught very the very simplistic way of thinking and they 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 won't be able to stomach what I would have to say about it and again what i what what I would have to say again is not i it's, it's it's not that it's not that it would be overly 
not that to be overly negative. You know what I mean? I'm just saying, I want to be as, I want to, I want to have the truth and I want to portray the truth in the best way possible. And the truth is sometimes hard, hard to swallow. The truth is some, the truth sometimes hurts. So, but I want to have, a, I want to present a very, uh, enormous amount of very convincing evidence of what I've seen in the Gospel of John. The Gospel of Mark is another one too that's not so bad. Not so, <laughs> not so bad. Not it's different, but yeah. As I've always said, Mar- Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I would say Matthew is the most accurate. Luke would be the second. Mark would be the third, and John would be the fourth. I know that modern evangelical, conservative, ultra-conservative evangelical Protestants would say that every word of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the word of God. It's perfect. But that's not what they say. That's not what the Bible says. If you want to believe the Bible, you go by what the Bible says. When you read the, for example, when you read the book of Isaiah, Isaiah sounds very authoritative. Thus saith the Lord. Boom, there it is. Quote and unquote. Here it is. God spoke. The mouth of the Lord hath spoken. Period. It's a lot of authoritative, clear, prophetic utterances from the prophets, such as Isaiah, Jeremiah, all the prophets. Okay. When you get into something like, especially the letters of Paul, okay, especially the letters of Paul, I'm not saying to throw them out either. I've never, I've never, I've never said that we should throw that, throw them out completely. But the gospels are the, the gospels are ancient biographies. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John never claim to be prophets. They've never claimed to be on the same, even on the same level as Isaiah or, you know, Ezekiel, Hosea, Micah, Habakkuk. Jeremiah never even claimed to be on the same level. In fact, a book like Mark, a lot of a lot of scholars don't even know who wrote that book. It's almost it's anonymous in some of these other ones. So it's like take it for what it is, believe it for what it says about itself. Now the book of the Gospel of John. Another thing is too the Gospel of John. A lot of scholars and they have evidence. And again, I don't want to get into all the evidence right now, but they have evidence that. A good portion of the book of John, at the very end of the book of John, a good portion was added much later. It wasn't even written by John. Um, and then there's, then there's the idea of it's not even John the disciple. It's some other John. Because a lot of people were called John back in those days. I mean, there's so, many, there's so much stuff to talk about. So much stuff to talk about. Um, but the Gospels are, we, we need to come to the table with a very objective mind, an open mind, but not an empty mind, asking, what is this? If this is a if this is called the super gospel and it's it claims to be written by Robert Farrell, 
okay, which it was compiled by Robert Farrell. I don't care who says what. If if someone tells me this is the word of God and this, you know, everything in here is the word of God uh, for us today, I would say, well, listen, this is this is exactly what it claims to be. This is a compilation of writings that was compiled and edited by Robert Farrell. That's what it claims to be. So let's not try to make it any more than what it, what is what it claims to be. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John claims to be ancient biographies of Yeshua. Period. Doesn't claim to be perfect. Doesn't claim to be. Thus saith the Lord. You know, it's just this is a witness, a witness of of what happened, the the life of Jesus. So let's take it for what it really says. Um, ah, excellent. Vita, the same for the letter of Second Peter, is not written by himself. Absolutely. Um, you check it out for yourself. I mean, I'm not, I'm not talking to you, Vita. I'm talking about every. I'm talking to everyone else who may, excuse me, have um, have a little bit of doubts about what I'm saying. Don't believe me, don't believe anybody here for just because we say it. Check it out for yourself by reputable scholars. Okay? Research it. Study it. Was Second Peter written by Peter? From what I have seen, every reputable, legit scholar, everyone. Somebody might argue there's somebody, that, you know, but the, the vast majority, if not everyone, have all said that Second Peter was not written by Peter. It was a forgery. It claims to be written by Peter, but it's not. Does that mean that everything that Second Peter has in it is 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 uh, is a lie? No, not at all. Second Peter has a lot of great stuff in it. Second Peter has a lot of good stuff in it. I like a lot of what Second Peter says. I like it. I do. But we need to take it for what it really is. There is plenty of evidence out there that Second Peter was not written by Peter, even though it claims that it was. So this is the thing. We need to come to the table looking at it and say, don't say that, you know, because you got people that say, well, don't come against Paul. Paul was was um, um, endorsed by Peter. Second Peter chapter three verse sixteen. Paul was endorsed by Peter. Peter said that Paul is an apostle and whatever. I mean, whatever. So it's like, wait a second. First of all, it wasn't written by Peter. It was written by who? Uh, who knows who? I don't know. Some people believe it was written by some other Paulian who just wanted to make Paul, you know, wanted to give some extra credibility to Paul. Um, nevertheless, it's very interesting. Um, and so, and somebody might say, well, why are you putting doubt in people's minds? I'm not, I'm, I'm, I, wanted, I want the facts. I want the truth. And once the more truth and facts you have, the, the more solid your faith becomes. When you know stuff, the more you know, the more, the stronger you are, right? Knowledge is power. The more you know, the stronger you are. 
And as I've said many times, Yeshua wants us to study, wants us to know what, wants us to have, he is the God of knowledge. He's the, he is an intelligent God. He's a God of intelligence and he wants us to be intelligent. He wants us to reflect him. He's a God of great knowledge. We should be people of great knowledge. Amen. We should be people of great knowledge. Uh, going nowhere, ask me, do I have a least favorite book of the Bible? Least favorite verse. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I've ever read, if anybody ever asked me that question before. It's always the favorite. What's the least favorite? Um, it's got to be one of the letters of Paul. Or <laughs> it's got to be one of the letters of Paul. Uh, it's diff that's not, it's difficult to answer because I mean, initially I might say, well, Galatians, but Galatians does have a few good things in it too. Right, Paul really. I mean, it sounds like he's against the Torah. It's, it, it, and this is like, Paul seems to contradict himself. And it, notice what I said: seems to contradict himself. Take it for what it is. You think he, he contradicts him? If you think he contradicts himself, I, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. Okay, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. But, um, I mean, for example, Galatians three, he says. Because God said to your seed, not to seeds, he means one and not many. And then at the end of Galatians 3, he says, you are, the, are Abraham's seed. Well, who was he talking to? He was talking to the Galatians. He was talking to many people. And he said, you are Abraham's seed, which is what, one or many? Who are you talking to? You know what I mean? Like it's, Paul, are you contradicting yourself? What's going on here, Paul? Come on. Um, <laughs> Like seriously, if if I you know, if I meet Paul in the afterlife, seriously, I'd be like, Paul, nice to meet you, an honor to meet you. You you really influence the world by your your letters. But why, Paul? Why? Why? Why did you write what you Why did you say that? Why? Do you do not understand what hap what what people did with your letters? How they use that to justify their sin? And Paul, uh, oh. um, I I don't know how I can answer that. Going nowhere. And least favorite book or least favorite verse? Any verse that seems to contradict any verse that seems seems to contradict Torah is one of my least favorite verses. Vida says, in John, you see, I am what Elohim said to Moses, I am. Yes, it's the only book like that, yeah, apart from the Tanakh itself. Yeah. Again, what, what a Christian should do. If you guys, if you have any kind of Bible studies where you have, you know, actually people get, you have a, you know, in-person Bible study, 
one a pro, one thing that should be done is getting each of the New Testament books printed in separate books and have them all put out separately on the table. Because the idea is when all these books are in the quote-unquote Holy Bible, it makes it so easy to try to lump them all together as one and call them all the Word of God, call them all the Holy Bible. Again, the, the whole idea of Bible is not biblical. The Bible is not biblical. The Bible is unbiblical. What I mean by that is nowhere in the Bible, no prophet, priest, or king ever stepped up to the plate and said, God spoke to me and said, here is the list of books that I want you to take and put together in one book and call it the Holy Bible. No more, no less. God never said that. Never. Yet, that's the drumbeat of Protestant, evangelical, conservative Protestantism for hundreds of years. That's the, that's the beat that they danced to, and then they danced to for hundreds of years. This is the Bible, no more, no less. This is 66 books, no more, no less. Uh, where do you get that from? Uh, what's in the Bible? Well, um, who put it in the Bible? Well, God put it in the Bible. How do you know God put it in the Bible? Well, uh, God allowed it in the Bible. It's like, man, God allowed a lot of things in the world to happen. How do you know this was God's will? I mean, serious questions. I'm not trying to shoot anything down. I mean, I believe each book of the Bible for what it says about itself. Don't get me wrong. I believe the Bible more than, more than they do. I believe the Bible for what it says about itself. In fact, more specifically, I believe each book of the Bible for what it says about itself. Isaiah says, thus saith the Lord. The Lord has spoken. I believe that. But you get some Joe Bloat and whoever comes around in the in other parts of the Bible and says something that is not those kind of words, that does not have that kind of authority and that kind of resonation with it. They don't claim to be a prophet. They don't claim it's the word of God. Just because... Men throughout the ages ha have decided to put all these books together into one compilation and call it the Holy Bible doesn't mean that there's no more. Doesn't mean there's no more. Doesn't mean it's right. Doesn't mean that God told them to do it. Yeah, I see it like there's a lot of a lot of fear about this kind of thing again. Uh, and again, I don't want to talk about too much. I have I have written or uh, actually I think I'm not sure if I wrote articles on it on my blog or not. Possible. Um, but lots of videos on it. So you said the unforgivable sin is words. What if I dozed off while praying and I said accidentally said something or trying uh to word or was trying to word but came onto something else. 
this is this is where you, I mean you just trust God, you know, you just trust God. Fear not. Fear not. Vita says in my study, the said the gospel are name nameless when they find it. Yeah. The gospels were nameless when they found it. Yeah. N- None of the Gospels, for that matter, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, actually identifies themselves as such. So those names were put put in afterwards. I mean, it doesn't say, I, Matthew, or signed Matthew, or signed Luke, or signed Mark, or signed John. No. Um, they were put in, those names were put on later. Caballero, a lot of new believers are taught st- uh, to start reading the Bible from the Gospel of John. I heard that in my early days as well. I think that's a mistake. The early believers should be taught to start reading the Bible from the Torah. Period. Christians tell you that everything's based upon the law of God or the, the so-called Old Testament, that the New Testament is based upon the, New Te- the Old Testament. So why do we start in the New Testament then? If the, if the New Testament is built on the so-called Old Testament, as if the Old Testament is the foundation, why do we start, why do we tell new, new believers and new Christians to, to start building from the, from the roof down? Let's get them to start building from the foundation up. Get to know the Torah. Get, start Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And like I said before, you know, I know some of this, uh, some of the Torah is hard to go through. And if that's the case, I mean, read what you can read, understand what you read the book of Genesis, read the book of Exodus, read the book of Deuteronomy. If, I mean, if Leviticus is, is tough to go through, then okay, skip it for now. Same with uh, Leviticus or numbers. If it's tough for you to read, skip it for now. Deuteronomy is pretty easy to read and it's powerful enough Yeshua, that was Yeshua's sword. That was what he used was Deuteronomy when he was contending with the devil. Good enough for him should be good enough for us. Yeah, study it. I I, I mean, like, get to the point where you almost, like, you memorize it. Instead of going, instead of starting with the book of John, the gospel of John, start with Genesis, Exodus, Deuteronomy. Get that under your belt. Be masters of the Torah first, then move on from there. That's the foundation. That's what should be done. And last, definitely last, the letters of Paul. Absolutely last. I wouldn't tell them not to read it. I would say read it, but read that last. After you get everything else down pat, you know, you 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 you're you made like you're like uh you got it down to a science okay you're 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 a master of it all then read the letters of paul and then judge for yourself be like the Brians of uh, uh, acts chapter 17 take paul word concept by concept precept by precept and say okay is is what he's is what he said here true let's let's bounce it against let's bounce it off the tanakh let's bounce it off the torah if it doesn't work with the Torah, then guess what? Sorry, Paul, you're wrong there. It's fine. He's just a man. 
He's not Jesus. He's not the Lord. He's not God. He's a, sorry, Paul, you're wrong there. Okay, whatever. Let's you know, move on. Again, one of the biggest problems is the deification and idol, the idol worship of the biblical canon. We need to look at the Bible for what, how it was, how it was looked at back in the days of Jesus. The Bible was not even in existence. Each book was kept separately for a good reason, and Jesus had no problem with that. He never said, oh, man, you guys, you need a Bible. You need to put them all together. I need to give you a canon. I need to give you a list of 66 books and no more so you know what, what is your book. No, not at all. They had the Torah put over here. They had the, the scroll of Isaiah over here. They had the scroll of Jeremiah over here. You know, they had the Psalms, the five Megillot over there. Remember, right here, I'll show you guys. This is um, Luke chapter 4, verse 17. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. That's, that's Yeshua. That's Jesus. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, yada, yada, yada. Okay? So the point is, they didn't have a Bible. They had each book of the Bible was kept separately on separate scrolls. Nowhere. Did God ever say, oh, this is no good. We need, to, we, need to, we need to put it all together in one book, and I need to give you a Bible canon. Mm-mm-mm. That's not biblical. That's not God. That's not God's will. God didn't do that because God knew if he did that, then people would idolize their Bible canon, just like how the Protestants do today. They idolize the Bible canon. Question says, uh, I started from Matthew. Matthew was one of my favorite books right from childhood, actually. (laughs) Fearfully confident. Welcome. Welcome, brother. How do we pray for wicked people like Trudeau and Biden? And are they examples that Paul was wrong when he said, obey the government? (laughs) Ah. I would pray for for these politicians exactly the same way that the people of the people prayed against the politicians of Sodom and Gomorrah. That's how I would pray for uh, that's how I would pray, okay. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So, I mean, not that we should be overly bitter, bitter, uh, not to be overly dark in our in that kind of way, but to be to pray with earnestness, sincerity, desperation, as any holy and righteous man or woman would pray. And it's okay to pray like that. Again, uh, Revelation. Um, we'll look at again in uh, Genesis chapter eighteen, where the people, God's holy and righteous people, were praying against 
Sodom and Gomorrah. And of course, it wouldn't be just against the people alone. It would be against the politicians of those cities. Because it was the politicians that actually allowed or even promoted what was going on there. And the immorality that was going on there is directly linked to the violence that was also going on, going on there. And check out the history too as well. You can't, you can't separate the violence from the immorality. Just like, again, going to Paul's letters that Paul uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 to 21, he lists them all together in one basket. The immorality, the violence, and the, all this stuff is all together in one basket. Why? Because they're all sister, they're, they're all kindred sins and evil, wicked spirits. Um, it's a very sad day we're living in. When we got these politicians and lawmakers that are making laws and doing things against the against God's word, against God's character, against God's people, against God's laws, no fear of God at all there. No fear of God at all in them. Even John said in 1 John, I'm not saying that you should pray for anybody who sins this sin that leads to death. But pray for those who sin, the sins that do not lead to death. In other words, there's, there is a, a line, the cross. Say, so, you know what, these people do not deserve. As, as even Yeshua himself said in, in John chapter 17, I pray only for my sheep. I don't pray for anybody else. I don't pray for the world. Wow. Modern day Hippie Jesus would be praying for everybody. Oh, bless you. I love you. I hug you. And I love you all. That's not the Jesus of the Bible. I'm sorry. It's not. You read it. Is it wrong to pray against? We need to keep a good attitude. We need to keep we need to keep our mind and our emotions and our we need to keep everything in tune with the Lord, in tune with God. But yes, we have people who prayed against the wickedness and wicked rulers throughout the Bible. God never rebuked them for doing so. In fact, he listened to them. Oh, is it true? Uh, <clears throat> let me see. Let me go find out. I'll send my angels to Sodom and Gomorrah and find out. And if it's true, mm -mm, we're just going to have to do something about it. Same with the flood of Noah. And God warned people throughout the Holy Scriptures, do not Provoke my people to the point of praying against you. Because when they do pray against you, I will hear and I will act. He said that many times. That's God. The, that's the most high God Almighty. 
in Revelation. Let's go there. Revelation. Chapter 6, verse 10. Actually, let's start in verse 9, sorry. Revelation 6, 9. Then he opened the fifth seal. Under I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God and the testimony they maintained. So let me just stop here for a second. These are people who suffered capital punishment because of their faith. We're not far from that, people. We're not far from that. Look at what's happening in Canada right now. We have a pastor in, in Calgary, Alberta, that has been arrested five times for freedom, hauled away like an animal. Even right now, he's in jail. Mistreated, abused, and in some parts, even beaten. Actually, even earlier today, people beaten on the streets of Ottawa for freedom because they, because they stand for freedom. How far are we from, from this kind of thing? You go to one of Canada's news agencies. I, I don't. I, I'm really. I'm not here to plug any particular news agency, but one of the better ones. The reporter went to report on what's going on in Ottawa, and the police took his belly bat and bashed her in the head, all bleeding. For what? And yet we got Trudeau calling. The peace-loving protesters, a whole the, the whole laundry list of names that these lunatics call people, you know. We have one of the members of the European Parliament of Romania who said that what, what's going on with Trudeau right now in Canada is similar to the Inquisition. Revelation chapter 6, verse 10. They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge these people and avenge our blood? Then each of them was given a white robe. That shows their righteousness. That shows how much they are accepted by the Lord God Almighty. God never Never rebuke them for praying like this. We need to pray like this more, guys. We got to stop with our nicey, nice little prayers. Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the full number of their fellow servants, their brothers and sisters, were killed just as they had been. So, yeah, 
Um, how do we pray for these people? I wouldn't say, I wouldn't even say pray for them at this point. These people, these politicians, and their little NPC minions who think that they're just obeying orders are definitely on the wrong side of history and definitely on the wrong side of God. They have no fear of God. As stupid as an animal, they have no fear of God. In fact, many animals are, <laughs> um, yeah. So do they not realize that they are not, they are not God? Do they not realize that they are under the authority of God? That When the courts of heaven commence, when the courts of God commence and they are called an account, and I'm not talking about the day of death, I'm talking about even before they, I'm talking about in this life too. Do they actually think that anything that God says is evil, and if they engage in this evil in any which way or condone it or allow it, do they actually think that it's going to be okay with them? Do they actually think? That somehow God is going to still bless them. They need to feed, they need to be shaken in their boots. They need, you know, if Trudeau or Biden or any of their henchmen are watching this, one thing I would say. They need to get on their face before God. And don't get up until you get right with God. And call a national fast, man, woman, child, animal, just like how they did in, in Nineveh. And don't break that fast until you find the mercy of God. Repent. Change. Humble yourself. Completely strip yourself of every iota, every atom of pride.
Will Sr. Excuse me, guys. Hold on a second. Okay. Um, Will Sr. says, I agree, brother. I was thinking Galatians only because many have strayed away, many have strayed away in, under, in misunderstanding. Yeah, Galatians is the most misunderstood book for sure. We are one in the body of Christ. You know what? It's, it's good. You know, there's a... A lot of people with a lot of different ideas, a lot of differences. As as the world gets darker and as things get harder, we can't afford. We just cannot afford to be fighting over stupid little things. The line has to be drawn just like how when Moses came down from the mountain, if you're on the side of the Lord, get over here right now. Stay with me. If not, let it be known. I guarantee you, in these countries where Christians are persecuted really harshly, and it's illegal basically to be a Christian, they are arrested and killed just for their faith. Nobody is going to be arguing in the trenches about whether or not Noah used nails, or whether or not Pilate used soap to wash his hands. Or whether or not Jesus is the first or second or third or fourth or fifth or seventh member of the Trinity. It's going to be like, hey, what side are you on? Are you on God's side or not? Are you on the Lord's side or not? Are you with me or you're against me? We don't have we can't afford to be arguing over little things. And suddenly the things that you think are big things become small things in the sight of persecution. Jordan says it's almost like gaslighting church fathers and English translators intentionally messed with them. And ask why Jews don't believe or respect Christianity. Yeah. Exactly. Will Sr. Yeah, quotes Galatians 3.10. Again, there's a lot of arguments. In, there's a lot of different people who argue different things about this verse. What is works of What are the works of the law? Who gets the curse? What does that mean? Christina says, in regards to the books of the Bible, uh, it's a great idea to print them individually. I'd love to pass out Matthew during street outreach. I bet more people would read a shorter book. Yeah. Absolutely.
is is holy bible means holy books holy bible literally means it means holy book what do i think is the most debated aspect of christianity well that's a very good question the most debated oh uh, there's i don't know I, I really don't know what the most debated would be there are lots of you know like whether or not you know, there's the faith alone. Do you need to, do you need to be baptized? The Trinity. Then you've got um, faith versus works. Um, Mary, <laughs> the perpetual virginity of Mary. Um, all kinds of things. The second first says, hey, folks, hit the like. It does help the algorithm to get his posts out there to new people. Yes, thank you very much. The second first question for move says, I liked. Again, this is a question that uh, actually I've been asked this several times as well. And I actually spoke about this and have different videos in, uh, that I've done. And it's on YouTube as well about this is, are the two witnesses, Elijah and Moses or Elijah and Enoch? I do believe it's Elijah and Enoch. Uh, there's a, there's a book called the history of Joseph, the carpenter. That's an, it's one of these ancient extra biblical books in that book. It's, it's purported to be, recorded it's a recorded conversation between jesus and his father or slept uh, slash stepfather joseph uh and um the conversation was like why joseph do you have to die like enoch or no the question was to jesus like why did joseph have to die enoch you know uh and elijah didn't have to die and then jesus basically explained yes enoch and elijah did not die yet but it is appointed unto man for for every man to die at one point in time. And so they will have to come back and die. They are the two witnesses. Uh, we know in the scriptures that Moses did die. So, and Enoch is very, very intricately tied to the end times as he prophesied so much about the end times in the book of Enoch. Elijah is also tied to the end times, such as like in, even in the prophets in the Tanakh, where like before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the lord uh elijah will come right elijah will come before the coming of the day of the lord um so elijah's tied to that end time event in the book of revelation we have um uh you know the, the two witnesses calling fire down from heaven so that's just like elijah uh so yeah i don't think it was moses I don't think he's one of the two witnesses.
going nowhere says, I know this has nothing to do with Christian theology, but are you scared of the possibility of World War III breaking out? Or do you think it's just the media trying to scare us? I'm not scared of the possibility of World War III breaking out. No, I'm not. God has always provided. God has always protected. He always has, always will. No, I'm not, I'm not scared of that. I look back in my life and what God brought me through would absolutely shock you. Absolutely shock you. There's so many times I came very close to dying, but I didn't. Question is, what is what about Matthew 5 44? Let's go there, applying to us. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes a sun to shine on uh, uh, sun to rise on the good, the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. Uh yeah. So again, I'm not talking about hey, um, what what Jesus was talking about here is he was basically expounding upon Exodus chapter 23, which is help your enemies. If you find your enemy's donkey laden under burden, help him with it. You know, if you find, you know, the whole idea was to be good to your enemies, to help your enemies. Likewise, hey, I mean, if Trudeau was out front of my house and he was he needed help i would help him okay same with biden i wouldn't just leave him there and laugh at him or something like that okay i don't think that's good i i would help him <laughs> however i still would pray the way that i had said that i would pray so yeah trust god like the idea again and i mentioned this before uh yeshua his teaching here is is keeping people's heart in the right place and again to clarify when i when i talked about praying against these people in the way that that the the uh, people prayed against sodom and gomorrah the way that people prayed against um the, the things that were going on in noah's day and all the way through the scriptures, there's many different things, many different times that people were praying against these different rulers. I don't think that it was, I don't think that it's wrong to do that. But if you, it depends on your heart situation, right? I mean, it's not that we're to be super bitter against people either, but rather just to, like, how did people pray against people? How did how did um, how did these people in Revelation pray? Revelation chapter six, right? Like, Lord, how long will it be until you avenge our blood? So you understand, it's not that they wouldn't help people. It's not that they wouldn't love people to that degree. It's just that, put it this way, 
Matthew 5, 44 to 45, when Jesus said, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. I believe that everything that, that God did, including what he did to the wicked regime in the late in 1930s and early 1940s, including what he did there, was in response to prayer. What is it wrong? Was it wrong for anybody to pray against Mr. Adolf? Okay? Was it wrong to pray for anybody to pray against him? Should every should everybody just been said, oh, you know, we need to submit to him. We need to obey his orders. We need to, we need to obey the orders of, of 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 that particular leader in Germany. We just need to love him. If you know what I mean, there is a sweet spot to get into when you can say, Lord, do something about this. Lord, there needs you need to come and fix this. Avenge our blood. And then the and, and this, at the same time, not be overly bitter. Not to be overly bitter. Not to hold on to a personal grudge and thus violate the Torah, according to Leviticus 19. So there is that 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 healthy balance between not holding a grudge, a personal grudge, and calling God to put an end to evil. And put in and laying it all upon the Lord. Laying it all upon God. Again. Just, just to go back here again to uh, how the people prayed in uh, Revelation chapter six, they they called out in a loud voice, "How long, Sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood?" So, I think we should keep. A distinction between what they were praying was basically like justice, judicial judgments of God versus personal bitterness. You can put aside the personal bitterness, the, the personal grudges, and just say, God, I lay it in your hands. How long until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our blood? That's, I hope that's uh, clear. Vita says, besides Deuteronomy, I read John 17 every day and meditate about it. Uh, I think you can better read one capture from the New Testament. One chapter of the New Testament, yeah. So, um, yes, 
yeah, read the book of Deuteronomy, read the Torah. Uh, some Bible reading plans actually have it where you read more of the Tanakh than you do of the of the of the New Testament, because actually there are uh, the 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 New Testament is like one third of the entire. 30 or 66 book Bible. Okay. So, uh, in that sense, it's like you read two to one, you read two. If you read two chapters, if you read three chapters a day, it's like two chapters of the Tanakh and one chapter of the new Testament to kind of get a balance. However, that's kind of, it kind of messes you up when it comes to the chronological order of things. But yeah, I mean, it, it's, that's fine. Uh, it's a fine balance as well. Byron says, I live in Edmonton, Alberta, three hours away from Calgary. Uh, I'm preparing myself to lay down my life. I live in Canada. Things are changing fast. I feel Christians will be persecuted very soon. And you know what? They, they, they are right now. They really are right now in Canada. You don't hear about it, but they are. They are. I know people who have been spit upon, had their their property destroyed. They've been forcibly confined by wicked people in Canada because they're Christian in the past couple years. And be like, Avita says, and be like Heavenly Father, forgiveness, lovely, holy. Yes. Yeah, he extends mercy to thousands, yet not how is that put now? It extends mercy to thousands, yet not, yet visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the third and fourth generation. Um, yeah, there, there is a healthy balance. These wicked people have declared war on us, you know, and, and this is, this is the thing what's going on in Canada right now. And again, if it is not, people should speak up all over the world because other politicians are watching and you don't want this to be replicated in any, any other place in the world. It's, it's like what's happening in Canada is domestic war crimes by the government. That's what it's like. Will says, Romans 13, let every soul be subject to, unto the higher powers. There's no power but of God, but the powers that be are ordained of God, though one Chris. I, f I feel you, bro. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we should respect and honor and obey the authorities of the land to the best of our abilities under the law of God. Put it this way. Should we, should anybody 
Now, I'm not, I, I'm, don't get me wrong, Will. I don't think that you're saying this at all. But I mean, other people would, would say this. They would quote Romans chapter 13 and say, but it's God's will for you to be subject, period. Don't, 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 you know, everything, you know, you just need to go with what the, what the government says and, you know, obey them and, you know, be a good little law abiding citizen according to the laws of your land. Putting aside what happened in Germany several decades ago, putting aside that, let's talk about what's happening in North Korea today, right? So in North Korea today, you worship the the leaders of North Korea, especially the leader of North Korea. You worship him and his family by law. So... (laughs) You know, you know where I'm going with this. It's um, Romans 13 certainly has its limits. Fearfully confident says, "Thank you, Christopher. Much respect for that answer to my question. Thank you very much for your question. I appreciate it." Awake America says, "Mike, yes." Amen, for sure. Byron says, I heard that in my reserve where I'm from, when Christians went there to sing gospel songs and spread the word, some people threw rocks and insulted them, and whoever went up for prayer were were banished from the reserve by the chief. When I heard that, I couldn't believe it. it makes me feel uncomfortable to spread the word to my own family since uh, since our reserve is small and mostly everyone knows each other. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what to say about that. It is, it is very, very unfortunate. And it, it, this stuff does happen, is happening in Canada and in America. I know somebody who went to, uh, in America, went in, it was uh, in Michigan, um, preaching the gospel, and they literally were stones thrown at, thrown at them preaching the gospel. And this is, a, this is a tip that, this is just the, you know, hey, believe in Jesus, repent from your sins and believe in Jesus gospel. It's just simple, as simple as that. And yet they were uh, pelted by, by rocks. Bourbon says, amen, brother. Amen, Bourbon. Welcome from D-Live. And question says, Shalom, everyone. Have a good day. May the Holy Spirit and the Messiah and God bless you. Thank you very much. Blessings multiplied back to you as well. I appreciate that. Many, many blessings multiplied back to you. So let's let's uh, go on here with num- Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? And how long will they not believe me with all the signs which 
which with I, uh, which I pr- have performed among them. I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them. And I will make of you a greater nation, nation greater and mightier than they. And the Lord, and Moses said to the Lord, then the Egyptians will hear it for you, uh, for by your might, you brought these people up from among them and they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land. They have heard that you, Lord, are among these people and that you, Lord, are seen face to face, and your cloud stands above them. And you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and in a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you kill these people as one man, then the nations which have heard of your fame will speak, saying, Because the Lord was not able to bring this people to the land which he swore to give them, therefore he killed them in the wilderness. And now I pray. Let the power of my Lord be great, just as you have spoken, saying, The Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Pardon the iniquity of this people, I pray, according to the greatness of your mercy. Just have forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. Isn't that awesome? I mean, it's like the Lord is listening to Moses here. It's like, the Lord's like, hey, okay, okay, Moses, according to what you say, I will do it. But truly, as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all these men who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness have put me to the test. Now these ten times, and have not heeded my voice. They certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to, to their fathers. Nor shall any of those who reject, rejected me see it, but, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully. See, it's very, very important, very important brothers and sisters, believers, fellow believers, to follow him fully. Not half-half, not 90-10, not 99, but, you know, taking 1% of the world, but following God fully, wholehearted, 100% following God. So, but my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. Now the Amalekites and Canaanites dwell in the valley. Tomorrow turn and move out into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do it due to you. Excuse me, do to you. The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness. All of you who, who were numbered according to your entire number from, the, from 20 years old and above, and for Caleb, the son of 
Yafune, and Yeshua, or Joshua, son of Nun, or Nun. You shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. But your little ones, whom you said would be victims, it's like God's really God's really angry here, isn't he? He's like, everything you said will come to pass. You, you know, basically you said that you're you're not able to take it. Well, you're not going to take it. You said that your little ones will not uh would be victims there. I'm going to make it the opposite. They're going to be there, I'm going to bless them there. They're going to be protected there, not victims. But your little ones whom, by the way, it's like, they really, really got on God's bad side. Talking about getting on God's bad side, these people did. But your little ones whom you said would be victims, I will bring in and they shall know the land which you have despised. (laughs) But as for you, your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness and your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness 40 years and bear brunt of your infidelity until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness. According to the number of the days in which you bide out the land, 40 days for each day you shall bear your guilt. One, excuse me, for each day you shall bear your guilt one year, namely 40 years, and you shall know my rejection. I, the Lord, have spoken this. I will surely do so to all this evil congregation who are gathered against me. In this wilderness, they shall be consumed, and there they shall die. Now the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, who returned and made all the congregation complain against him by bringing a bad report of the land, those very men who brought the evil report about the land, died by the plague before the Lord. But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Yephuni, remained alive of the men who went to spy out the land. Then Moses told these words to all the children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly. And they rose early in the morning and went up to the top of the mountain, saying, Here we are, and we will go up to the place which the Lord has promised, for we have sinned. And Moses said, Now why do you transgress the command of the Lord? For this for this will not succeed. Do not go up, lest you be defeated by your enemies, for the Lord is not among you. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you, and you shall fall by the sword, because you have turned away from the Lord. The Lord will not be with you. But they presumed. There's a lot of presumption in the church today, by the way. They they presumed to go up to the mountaintop. Nevertheless, neither the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord nor Moses departed from the camp. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who dwelt in that in that mountain, came down and attacked them and drove them back as far as Hormah. Yeah, so, um, very, very interesting. Let's, let's take a look to see what, okay, so we, it talks about 10 times, uh, 10 times here that they tempted the Lord. Oops, 10 times. And that is in verse 22. 
just let's go over to Safaria and see what they say about if they enumerate these 10 times. So this is Numbers 14, verse 22. I'm going to Numbers chapter 14, verse 22. Now, look at this. We got here, it says here, it doesn't say 10 times. It says these many times. But in uh, in the notes here, it says many, literally 10. Uh, see note at Genesis 31, 41. Genesis 31, 41. Okay, so, yeah, and this is where it says, you have changed his, um, Jacob was talking about uh, Laban, who changed his wages 10 times. So, literally 10 times. So, it seems to me that this whole thing is not literal, I mean, it's not, mathematical like really like counting 10 times but rather it's a figure of speech let's just see what it says here in the commentary rashi that doesn't say anything i'm uh, in ezra yeah not a whole lot here about uh about the, the count. So it appears to be that this, yeah, it appears to be that it doesn't literally mean 10 times, but rather it's a figure of speech, meaning many times. Um, it says literally 10 times, but it, it really just means many times, not, not literally 10. Um, so, Let's read Proverbs 95 talking about this whole idea of this whole thing that happened in the wilderness where these people tested the Lord and forfeited their right to the promised land. This is Psalm 95 verse 1. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, let me say this again. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. In the footnotes, or at Meribah, literally at strife or contention. So today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness. This is what we're just reading about in Numbers. When your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they saw my work. For 40 years, I was grieved with that generation and said, it is a people who go astray in their hearts. 
and they do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. They shall not enter my rest. It's like the promised land was the rest of God. Psalms 106, very similar. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy endures forever. Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can declare all his praise? Blessed are those who keep justice and who does righteousness at all times. Remember me, Lord, with, your, with the favor you have towards your people. Oh, visit me with your salvation that I may see the benefit of your chosen ones, that I may rejoice in the righteousness of your nation, that I may glory with your inheritance. We have sinned with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember the multitude of your mercies, but rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved them from, for his name's sake, that he might make his wonder, his mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it dried up. So he led them through the depths as through the wilderness. He saved them from the hand of him who hated them and redeem them from the hand of their en of the enemy. The waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. Then they believed his words. They sang his praise. They soon forgot his works. This is it right here. We do not, let us not, let us never forget the works of God. That's why we should always give him praise. We should always remember what he did in our lives. We should always remember our testimony. We should always declare the mighty works of God. What God has did for you, share it with other people. Let's never forget. Again, this is some of the festivals, feasts of the Lord, was to remember what God did. They soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tested God in the desert. He gave them their requests, but sent, but sent leanness into their soul. When they envied Moses in the camp and Aaron, the saint of the Lord, the earth opened and swallowed up Dathan and covered the faction of Abiram or Abiram, a fire was kindled in their company. A flame burned up the wicked. They made they made a calf at Horeb and worshipped the molten image. Thus, they changed their glory into the image of an ox eats grass. They forgot God, their Savior. Again, talking about remembering, right? Versus forgetting. They forgot God, their Savior who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the, in the land of Ham. The land of Ham being Egypt or Africa. Awesome things by the Red Sea. Therefore, he said that he would destroy them had not Moses, his chosen, his chosen one, stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath lest he destroy them. Then they despised the pleasant land. 
they did not believe his word. There's, there it is right there. Believe his word, but complained in their tents and did not heed the voice of the Lord. Therefore, he raised his hand in an oath against them to overthrow them in the wilderness, to overthrow their descendants among the nations, and to scatter them in the lands. They joined themselves also to Baal of Beor, Peor, excuse me, and ate sacrifices made to the dead. In the footnotes, offered to the dead. Thus they provoked him to anger with their deeds, and the plague broke out among them, and Pinchas, or Phinehas, stood up and intervened, and the plague was stopped. And that was accounted to him for righteousness to all generations forevermore. Again, that was accounted to him for righteousness. It's the same phrase that they used, that God used about with Abraham, right? And it's not about faith alone. It's about what he did, not just, not just faith. To all generations forevermore. They angered him also at the waters of strife, so that it went ill with Moses on account of them, because they rebelled against his spirit. Interesting, it says they rebelled against his spirit here, because a lot of people think that the spirit and the, and the law are two different things. It's either you go by the law or the Torah, or you go by the spirit. No. The spirit that is spoken of here is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that was with Moses, the same Spirit that that gave Moses the Torah. It is the Spirit of, it is the law of the Spirit, the Torah, so that he spoke rashly with his lips. They did not destroy the peoples concerning whom the Lord had commanded them, but they mingled with the Gentiles and learned their work. They served their idols, which became a snare to them, they even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons and shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with blood. Thus they were defiled by their own works. They played the harlot by their, by their own deeds. Therefore the wrath of the Lord was kindled against his people so that he abhorred his own inheritance and he gave them into the hand of the Gentiles. And those who hated them ruled over them. Their enemies also oppressed them, and they were brought into subjection under their, their hand. Many times he delivered them, but they rebelled in their counsel and were brought low for their iniquity. Nevertheless, he regarded their affliction when he heard their cry. And for their sake, he remembered his covenant and relented according to the multitude of his mercies. He also made them to be pitied. By those, by all those who carried them away captive. Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the Gentiles to give thanks to your holy name, to triumph in your praise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting, and let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hebrews 3. Verse 7, so then, as the Holy Spirit says, if you hear God's voice today, do not be stubborn as 
your ancestors. Now, this is what I would say to these politicians we we're talking about earlier. If you hear God's voice today, do not be stubborn. As your ancestors were when they rebelled against God, as they were that day in the desert when they put him to the test. There they put me to the test and tried me, says God, although they had seen what I did for 40 years. I was, I, and so I was angry with these, with these people and said, they are always disloyal and refuse to obey my commands. I was angry and made a solemn promise. They will never enter the land where I would give, have given them to rest. My friends, be careful that none of you have a heart so evil that you turn away from the living God. Instead, in order that none of you be deceived by sin and become stubborn, you must help one another every day, as long as the word today is in the scripture applies to us. For we are partners with Christ if, if, condition, if we hold firmly to the end the confidence we had in the beginning. This is what the scripture says. If you hear God's voice today, do not be stubborn as your ancestors were when they rebelled against God. Who were the, pe who were the, who were the people who heard God's voice and rebelled against him? All those who were led out of Egypt by Moses, with whom, with whom was God angry for 40 years, with the people who sinned and fell down dead in the desert. When God made his solemn promise, they will never enter the land where I would have given them rest. Of whom was he speaking? Of those who rebelled. We see then that we were not able to enter the land. Excuse me, that, that they were not able to enter the land because they did not believe. Okay. Look at look at how it makes it's it makes it clear here that obedience versus rebellion. Rebellion to God's commandments is what it is what unbelief is okay to 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 not have faith to not believe means that you rebel against god's commands it's impossible to say you have faith and you still sin you still you still sin against god because the fact the very the very action of sin against god shows that you don't believe Faith and obedience are one in the same, just two different looking, you're looking at it from two different angles. Just like unbelief and rebellion are the same. Unbelief and sin are the same. Again, before we, 
Let's just one more time. A lot of people, a lot of Christians do not know this. They, 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 do, not, they do not clue into this. They think it's works versus faith. No, it, faith and works are together. One more time, just these last three verses, just the, or four verses. Who were the people who heard God's voice and rebelled against him? Again, these are the people who did not believe. Rebellion and unbelief go hand in hand because they did not believe. All those who were led out of Egypt by Moses. With whom was God angry for 40 years? With the people who sinned. Again, because they did not believe. They fell down dead in the desert. When God made his solemn promise, quote, they will never enter the land where I would have given them rest, unquote. Of whom was he speaking? Of those who rebelled. Why did they rebel? Because they did not believe. So, obviously, this implies that faith and obedience are one and the same as well. You obey because of your faith. You live righteously and not sin because of faith. So it's very it's it's very important to understand in in the New Testament. This is this is the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. We have unbelief and disobedience together. It's the same. Different ways of looking at it, different ways of describing it. Just like faith and obedience. It's the same. Let's see some of your comments here. Byron, uh, Byron says, after the thousand years, Satan is released again to test the saints. Does that mean the sins from the saints' past life on earth are forgotten and, they're, and they are judged entirely on when Satan tests them after? Yes. Yeah. Is that during that thousand years, they are able to live that during that thousand years under the reign of the Messiah because of their righteousness. So it's like, okay, so this one more, it's almost like another, you know, in, in computers you have like, if you're, if you're rendering something, you got like one, two, three, four pass render, you know, you got certain, it's like going over it again and confirming it and confirming it. It's like, this is like the, the last pass, so to speak, of God's, of testing, just to make sure everything's extra pure. So Satan is released again to test, and that's how it is. Yeah, they're, they're judged entirely on what, uh, when, when Satan tests them at that time, for sure. Davey says, Shalom all. Shalom, Davey. Welcome. Byron says, that story is the reason I try my best not to complain. Wow, yeah. Yeah, got to watch what you say, you know. God is listening.
Vinny says, just a thought. Maybe the soldiers were the main complaining and rebellious group leading the children of Israel into disobedience. As to, as to we should, uh, we should be the the influencers, not be influenced. Very good point, Vinny. Very good. Definitely, yes, we have to be strong, and make sure that we are the ones who are influencing. What do I think about the Codex Gigas? I'm not. I'm not familiar with that. I'm sorry. I cannot comment on that. Yeah, because when they left Egypt, it does say also in the scriptures that at one point, it says very explicitly that at one point they were influenced in that way. So that is a very good point. Absolutely. Okay, guys, that wraps it up for tonight. So tomorrow we will pick it up uh, where we left off. So we're going to be reading Numbers chapter, what is it now? Numbers chapter 15. Very interesting chapter, Numbers chapter 15, because we have the laws of the grain and drink offerings. We have the laws concerning unintentional sin. Again, we're going to talk about this again, go over that whole concept and relate it to Leviticus 4 and 5. Also, the law concerning presumptuous sin and penalty for violating the Sabbath. Tassels, the seat seats, okay? Talking about the, the tassels on the garments. Uh, and we'll see how far we get from there. Yeah, so very interesting. Let me show you guys, you know, got some talk about ta uh, tassels here. If I can get them, if I can. Uh, uh, for some reason. This thing's giving me a little bit of a hard time. Tassels in this. Yeah, so we're, we're going to be talking about this tomorrow evening, Lord willing. Okay, talking about the tassels, talking about the unintentional sins, and so on and so forth. So very, very interesting as always. As always, guys, you guys are awesome. Thanks for your uh, questions, your comments. Uh, and. Um, I appreciate your fellowship. The second first says, Shalom, and thank you, Christopher. Thank you very much, the second first. 1 John 2.26, thank you, Christopher, and good night. Thank you, brother. Good night. Caballero says, good night. Vinny says, thank you, Christopher. God bless you all. Shalom. Yes, God bless you. Bless God bless you guys. Multiplied blessings back to you. Have a great night, guys. Okay, so I'll see you again tomorrow. Same time, same place, 7 p.m. Eastern. Lord willing, and we'll pick up where we left off. Amen. As always, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you wonderful, wonderful shalom. Amen. Amen. See you tomorrow.